Hello everyone, you're listening to the Brunson Bugle, the number one place to get your kayak fix in the podcast world. I'm Lee Rooney. And I'm Dan McLennan. United grabbed their second win of the season as 4,000 Blues fans are treated to the greatest result in our history at Bolton. We look back on the 3-1 win over the Trotters before looking ahead to this weekend's home clash with fellow promoted side Leighton Orient. Did you enjoy our cup final last weekend, Dan? It was alright, wasn't it? Yeah, that's a standard day out with Carl United, really. Day isn't out, it? really, wouldn't it? You know? <laughs> that's a little uh, call forward to uh, what we'll be discussing in the uh, the Bolton review section. Um, our friends over at Trotter Chatter, we're not particularly impressed with their performance or us by the looks of things. <laughs> um, us as in Carl United uh, uh, last weekend's game, but uh, what a good day out that was, eh, Dan? Yeah, it was all right, wasn't it? Uh, <laughs> it? It had the you knew something good was going to happen on the Friday night with all the knacking about with the trains when it was suddenly announced that there'd be no trains north of Preston, which was complete yeah. rubbish. And from that moment, I just thought, I, I, this could be a classic, this one. Yeah, there was always a feeling about it. There was a bit of excitement about it. It's the fact that the hype built up around this just sort of organically, didn't it? It wasn't like one of those ones yeah. where you're like, like Wigan feels like one where we're all sort of talking, yeah, yeah, it's going to be the big one. We haven't played them in years. For some reason with Bolton, you just didn't. And then just suddenly, bang, we're selling loads of tickets. And then, like I said, we'll, we'll talk in a minute about the actual day out itself. But wow, uh, what, a, what a day that was. But there you go. Um, right, well, let's get into it. Uh, first of all, obviously, we've got to talk about our sponsors, uh, the Kyle United Sports Club, London Brunt. Yes, this is the third season that Cali uh, Knight Sports Club London Branch ever sponsored the podcast. Really appreciate that support. It's really helpful in terms of uh, hosting costs. If you're a Cali Knight fan based anywhere in the world, you can join the London Branch. You don't have to be based in London or South East, wherever you want. Dan, where could you be if you wanted to join the London Branch? Kathmandu. Kathmandu. Why have you picked Kathmandu? Because the Asian qualifiers for the 2026 World Cup began today and somebody I know is in Kathmandu and watched Nepal versus Laos. That's outstanding, that. I, I, that <laughs> it's genuinely, just, genuinely uh, brilliant. You, you did send me the, the list of those fixtures before and I did enjoy seeing Afghanistan against Mongolia. It just That's just such a World Cup qualifier fixture, isn't it? It's just incredible. Um, but yes, if you're based in Kathmandu, you can join. You can, you can join, as we've said before, if you're based in Jacksonville, Florida. Um, you can join if you live in Liverpool, like me. You could join if you live in, uh, you know, anywhere, basically. Sulliff, if you don't live there, you can join it. So there you go. Um, they do lots of great stuff for the club in terms of fundraising and organising stuff for away trips, including travel and tickets. If you want to find out more about them, go to their website, carlalundabunch.org, or grab one of the guys who are selling Hit the Bar at the away games this season. Right then, Dan, uh, before we get on to the news, Mike has done us the question of the week. He can't be with us today. So here's Mike's question for this week's pod. Now, if you remember from last week's question, Leighton Orient manager Richie Wellens was in League One Team of the Year in 2007-2008. Now, in that Doncaster Rovers team that he played for, he had five teammates that would later go on to play for Carlisle. Who are they? Oh, that's a belter. That's a belter, but I, I just feel like I feel like there should have been a ding at the end of that because Mike once again. I was going to say, 
Is he in a microwave or a chiller unit? Could be a chiller unit with his work, couldn't it? You'd think so. You'd think so, wouldn't you? It's yeah. a good question, that one. We'll, we'll maybe have a think about it uh, right now. and uh, Well, not right now, but we'll we'll think about it while we're doing the first half and then we'll come back to it uh, just after the half-time break and come up with some answers. I've got I an idea on one. Most, I, I've got an idea on most of these, yeah. I've got an idea on one of them. I'm trying to think of the others. But yeah, what, in fact, no, two of them. Two of them I've got in my head now, I think, already. So Yeah, I've got yeah. three, possibly four already. Right, okay. Well, well, we'll see what we get when we come to the second half of the show. Um, let's get into the news then, Dan. Um, a couple of little bits to cover this week. Um, bit of news that broke um, last week after we recorded, wasn't it? Uh, and it's news about Kitman Cole. He's going to be retiring at the end of the season, isn't he? Yeah. Long-serving yeah. stalwart. 13 years in the job he's been. And um, yeah. yeah, this seems to have come about because I think Simo basically is just doing a lot of long-term planning, isn't he, in terms of the club and what he wants to do. And I think he's basically said to Cole, look, you know, it wasn't a case of we want you out. It's more a case of like, what's your plans for the future so we can start, you know, planning long-term stuff. And Cole's gone and had to think about it and say, you know what, actually, I'm going to retire at the end of the season. So, um, so yeah, uh, obviously, for those who don't know, uh, Kitman Collie's Colin Nixon, the club's Kitman, uh, brother of John Nixon, one of the club's owners. Um, he's been doing the job since around about 2010. He was there when I started working there as well in the media team. Genuinely lovely, lovely bloke. Really friendly fellow around the club. Um does a cracking job in terms of sorting out all the kit and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, so they've advertised his job. The closing date is the 27th of October. You can find out more about it on the official website. And I think the idea is that someone's going to come in and learn the ropes with, aren't they? Yeah, um, I, I saw it was, uh, I think they were saying start January next year, which sort yeah. of indicates there'll be a, you know, a five or six month passing period where you learn the tricks of the trade. Uh, yeah. Putting names and numbers on shirts and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, it, it's also it, it's quite a, it, it's not as, quite as simple as that though these days, is it? It's also there's all kinds of regulation in terms of what you're yeah, allowed and yeah. stuff and and everything and the kit master know all that sort of stuff. So, yep, uh, if you're a Blues fan and you fancy getting involved, just drop them a message. You never know, you might get a chance. There you go. Uh, only other bit of news, Dan, uh, was something we sort of discussed on last week's pod. Dave Timmins is a red card. Uh, the club did confirm. I think a couple of days after we recorded that they would not be contesting the charge uh, that the FA put forward for him. It was kind of inevitable, wasn't it, really? It's their word against the three officials and they were never going to win that argument, were they? No, no. Just just inevitable. So, yeah, he's Good been news given... is he used, he used one game up in the pointless trophy for the week. Exactly, yes. Yeah. So um, he's been given a two-game ban, and a touchline ban, and a £750 fine. Obviously, as you mentioned there, one of those has been used up already. Thomas Holy stepped up to be coached that game, didn't he? Uh, yeah, it, it's, it's worth noting as well. He is allowed to watch from like the TV gantry with a radio. Yes, yes. He's just not so, on that pitch uh, side for. Is it before I, the I game? believe. I believe midweek he was up with uh, Jakey Blaine, who's obviously the uh, the yeah. analyst uh, and had a radio, etc. So, yeah, I think um, I think I read somewhere somewhere said that he's you're not allowed on the pitch pre-game during the game, or pitch side, sorry, pre-game, during the game, and also for two hours after the game as well. Two so, hours seems a long time, doesn't it? I think that's how long the ref can be there for, though. I think I've yeah, seen some I, sort of regulation think, about it. I think 6pm would be fair enough, you know, because yeah. most like people are showered, change and eaten by then. But You'd think so, yeah. yeah. Well, there you go. Um, yep, yeah, so he stepped up uh, Tomas for the EFL trophy game. Um, but this weekend... Uh, the son of a familiar face will be stepping up to to, co- to 
carry out the role, won't we? Yes. And, uh, Roman Keg, son of uh, Tony Keg, but we mentioned this last week, didn't we? Uh, he's the club's academy goalkeeping coach, and he's going to take the drills and all that kind of thing before the game. So, so there you go. Very exciting stuff for him. Um, right, that's it down there. I think there's no other news to cover, is there? Not that I can think of. The only other thing I think of is, is a nice little shout out for the fact that uh, Kiosk have now hit 1,100 members. We talked about yeah. fouls in the week, didn't we? Fantastic yeah, achievement, really. Still, Keeps growing. Still getting, pe- still getting people every uh, every couple of days. There's one or two more join. We get, we get like a, a daily yeah. email for any activity on membership stuff. And uh, no, long may it continue. Yeah, fantastic uh, AG, stuff. AGM news coming soon. It's going to be at the start of December. We've yeah. uh, we've got a board meeting next week where we'll uh, put the finishing touches to that. So keep an eye out for that if you fancy getting involved. Yeah, fantastic. Well, I think we've uh, put it off long enough, Dan. Let's get on to it. Bolton Wanderers 1, Kai United 3. Forget Wembley 95, Roma 72, beating Chelsea on the opening day of 74-75 season, the Jimmy Glass goal, you know, Wembley this year. Forget all of them. The greatest result in the history of this football club. If you believe the Bolton Wanderers podcast, there you go. In all seriousness, Dan, I mean, couldn't really have gone much better in terms of a day out, could it? Maybe other than maybe keeping a clean sheet. Yeah, uh, but I think going a goal down actually made it even better. Mm. Even, even when even when Joe Garner missed his penalty, I still thought, we can get somewhere here. Yeah. It, I think it, it, if any player was going to miss his penalty, I'm kind of glad it was him in a weird way because he's the kind of player who just doesn't let it bother him. He's not yeah, going to take the yeah. next penalty, but he didn't let it. He didn't let his head drop at all. We'll talk about his performance later on, but yeah, it was it was just all round a fantastic day out. We'll talk about the game first, and then we'll talk about the day out. Um, you know, because as fans, we can enjoy the day out. For the players, you'd have to take it seriously. You know, it's, it's your match day, and you've got to be professional about it. But for us, we're fans, of course, we want to enjoy days out like this. We, you know, this, you know. This is the kind of ground we've been wanting to go to for the last 10 years, isn't it, really? When we've yeah. been stuck in, in League 2. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so before the game, no massive surprise about the team news, was there, Dan, really? Unchanged for the second game in a row? No, just, uh, I just uh, the, the confirmation that Paul Huntington was injured. Yeah, that, that was a little bit of a shame, wasn't it, really, to get that news. It's, you know, I know some people think he hasn't been that, you know, he's been a little bit off it this season, but I still think some of his experience is vital for us at this level this season you know but you know he'll still be around the club he'll still be doing his bits for the next few weeks while he works his way back to fitness and and what you're not so uh simo stick with stuck with the 4 3 3 were you a little bit surprised by this uh yes and no uh i can see why because he uh he doesn't he doesn't like changing winning teams very much you know he sort of says no they've they've deserved it etc mm-hmm. but uh you know, once we knew Huntington wasn't playing, you can see why it stayed at four. Ben Barkley not quite ready for that sort of game. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it made sense. Corey as much. That's the thing as well, I suppose, in that sense. But um, but yeah, so um, that was the uh, lineups. Um, let's talk about the goals, major incidents, and sort of chances. Um, early on, quite balanced. I thought. I mean, they were dominating possession, and we expected that, don't we? You know, you look at the stats for them this season. They're on top possession-wise in pretty much every game they play. I mean, looking at possession stats, 69% to them, 31% to us. 
you know, twice as much of the ball. But it's what you do with the ball, isn't it? That's the most important at the end of the day. Definitely. You, know, you, Definitely. you can pass it along our back four all you want all afternoon, which Bolton did a lot. Um, but if you're not going to penetrate, then what's the point? Um, they did get an early chance um, with a, a good bit of play down the left from Randall Williams. He put a ball in the box and I thought Lavelle was very brave to throw his head in down towards uh, Charles's foot to head it out for a corner. Um, and then United had a really good chance with Owen Moxon on his left foot. My first thought when he was cutting in from the right with this was, what are you doing having a shot here on your left? But it was a hell of an effort, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was, it was. I mean, if that hits the back of the net, I mean, I know we went barmy for all the goals anyway, but Roof would have gone yeah. off the other way, <laughs> wouldn't it? I think it's fair to say. Yeah. Um, and then the, the Bolton goal... It's weird because we've been talking a lot recently about the fact that we, the goals we're conceding are very sloppy, aren't they? You know, not not doing jobs properly, that kind of thing. I think this is just good insight to football to split us open, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, they, they sort of broke and next thing it's in the back. It was really, I thought, I, I was in the corner that the, the ball came from. And hmm. I thought it happened really quickly. Yeah, it was very quick. Well, it was kind of like, Forrester stepped out of defence, didn't he, into our half. You know, he played quite high on the pitch anyway because of the amount of possession they had. And he just spotted an opportunity uh, for Dacros Cogley um, to get in behind Armour, get to the byline, and he put a low ball in. And, and, and Mellish didn't have much choice, did he? He, he had to slide in a vice Charles had a tap in at the far post. Unfortunately, he just got, didn't quite get enough on it and put the ball into the roof of the net and... There wasn't a feeling of heads dropping in the away end, though, was there, when that goal went in? No, not at all. Not at all. Yeah, I thought the young lads, especially in that corner down by the... Was it the crazy corner, they call it, at Bolton? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, but they, you know, they kept the noise up and they kept the chat. In fact, they got a chance going pretty much straight away when the, when the ball hit the back of the net, so fair play to them. And, and you know, you picked up again, and then the penalties. So let's talk about the first one. Um, what was your initial thought when you saw it? The, the award of it, I should say, there, rather than the actual point itself, which we'll talk about in a sec. Well, first of all, I was like, what's, what's this? A penalty? <laughs> what's one know. of these? Well, you know, G5 like, gone is... to Simo, isn't it? Yeah. That's two of them at once. They're like buses, you wait ages, and then a couple come along at once. Yeah, uh, yeah no, I, I thought it was a penalty. I, I, didn't, I didn't see much complaining from their players. Yeah. So, essentially, Maguire gets the ball on the uh, right... Lovely little dribble inside, gets into the area, and he looks to lay it off to Guy on the edge of the box. And he, and my first thought was, mm, I wonder if Dempsey actually got to that ball first, and he's just sort of clipped him after he's got to the ball. But actually, there was a great um, one of the many vlogs that Bolton fans have put up from behind the goal, well, sort of not behind the goal, the corner opposite it, if you know what I mean, in the, at the other end of the pitch. You could see actually that Maguire does get to the ball first and play it back to Guy before um, he gets flattened by Dempsey. So, not much argument there for me. Penalty. Joe Garner stepping up to take it. What was your thoughts when you saw that? Um, I, I didn't have any complaints. He's He was the main striker playing sort of thing. So, yeah, he backs himself. Yeah, I, I don't mind him backing himself, to be fair. No, no. S- S- Simo didn't complain too much about it, even though it turns out it should have been Jordan Gibson taking the penalty, shouldn't it, from what he was saying after yeah. that. So essentially, um, Garner grabbed the ball, 
stepped up to take it. It's just not a good penalty, is it, really? Um, Lummies, I think, said on the radio, didn't he? I think he, he thought Joe would normally smash it down to the keeper's right at that situation, and he just changed his mind at the last minute. And yeah, it was sort of like a placed with a little bit of pace on, wasn't it? But but it was, I mean, not it, was, it was nowhere near the corner, and that was the big problem, wasn't it? No, the keeper no. actually said to his leg and the old knee in the end, I think, yeah, and went out for yeah. a throw in. And like you said, to his credit, Garner's head didn't drop, he carried on play, you know, putting his performance in, and um, and yeah, from there. There was a, they had one other chance and Dacris Cogley got into the box and hit a shot over the bar. But then came the second penalty. What is their player doing on this? Only he knows. Only he knows. It's a bizarre one. So it's a corner comes in and initially it's sort of head, it's cleared out and guy tries to head it back in but heads it out further. And McCallman just hooks it back over his shoulder back into the box, doesn't he? High up in the air. And actually, the keeper's probably got time to come out and claim it because Melish is nearby, but he's not near enough by that he would have got to it. And as it is, Owen Toll, sorry, um, for some reason, tries to head it, but with his hands out in front of him, completely misjudges the flight of the ball and pretty much catches the ball. He sort of retracts his hands just as it's touched them. But like the reaction of all of our players, I think, convinced the ref straight away. He's like, yeah, he has handled that, hasn't he? It's blatant. It's not even close, and to be fair, there's no argument from their players, is there? No, none at all. I mean, it's you know, both both penalties. There wasn't much of an argument for an opposition player. You know, it's... I mean, Ian, Ian Everett tried his hardest after the game, didn't he? He tried to say they were disgrace, and even them were penalties. But I think when he looks back, he'll be a bit embarrassed by it. Well, no, he probably won't be embarrassed by that knowing him. Well, but no. there's there's plenty of other things he's done that are more embarrassing than that. To be fair. Um... So yeah, Jordan Gibson this time grabbed the ball, stepped up, and great penalty, wasn't it? You know, yeah, power, good. P- passed the keeper before he had a really chance to. He died the right way, but he was never getting to it, was he? Just into the corner, bang, one-one, and tails were up at that point. You know, it's just before the half-time break. Perfect time to score, really, wasn't it? Yeah, really good time. Uh, you know, I actually thought we could have kicked on and got a second. You know, I know mm. there wasn't that much time left, but. Another couple of minutes, I'd like to have seen what would happen. Uh, no, more than happy to go in at uh, one all. What were you thinking at half-time? Because I have to admit, I was speaking with, with Johnny, who would go to the games with Mike, and I was saying to them, I'm a little bit worried here because I feel like they're not going to come out and be as lacklustre and poor as they were in the first half, Bolton. Because they, they weren't as good as I expected, to be fair. I thought they would be stronger. Um, and that's partly because we did a really good job on them. But I thought, oh, they're going to come out a bit stronger this second half. This might be a bit of an onslaught. Never really came, though, did it? Ah, that was the upset. I thought, right, we're back in it. It's all square. This is winnable. And mm. you know about an onslaught. I thought the first five minutes or so, they, they had a little bit of a go. But we just seemed to turn them over regularly and with ease. Yeah, I, I agree. With that. I, I think... I. I was surprised at how much on top we were, like, after the first five minutes, that second half. I was like, oh, wow, we are genuinely the better side here. Yeah, you know, yeah. We're not having as much of the ball, but we we are, you know, we, we're playing the more, much more effective football out of the two teams, and we weren't playing long ball either. You know, we were getting the ball down and playing a bit of football as well, you know, and, and that led to the, a glorious chance for Sean Maguire, wasn't it? Great little bit of play in our own half to win the ball back. McCallman gets the ball and plays a, a ball through to Maguire. I think it was just inside his own half, possibly, or just inside their half, but onside. 
clean through on goal. There's, if you watch it back, there's a point where the ball just gets away from him slightly and he has to kind of readjust. And I think that takes him out of his stride, gives the keeper a chance to come out a bit further. And as a result, he's able to block the shot from just outside the box. He's got to score that though, hasn't he? You would think so. What were you I mean, uh, when, when, when he missed it, we were... Oh, come on, you know. But I was literally little did, little did we know. I know, but I was I was right behind the goal, uh, about two or three rows from the back. And as he came through, as I saw him coming up for the shot, I thought, "Oh, keeper's gonna." I I did genuinely think the keeper's gonna save this because he's gonna try and play it around him, and the keeper set himself to do that dive. Right, it was good goalkeeping to fair, really clever goalkeeping in that he set himself knowing that Maguire yeah, would yeah, probably do keep- that. That's that, that's one thing we 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 said when I was sitting. You know, keeper's done well there, really well. Yeah. The only option Maguire really had, because he couldn't get that ball under control quick enough, was to try and dink it over him. But as you know, James Phillips was saying, you do that and the keeper saves it. You look like a bit of a tit, don't you? <laughs> Essentially, he didn't say those exact words are really coming, but he said, you know, you look a bit of a prat, you know, if you do that and he, and he doesn't put, you know, pull it off. So, so there you go. Um, and then Bolton had what I think was probably their only chance of the second half, only clear cut one, other than maybe one that. Bod Varsen, you know, the, the Icelandic sub came on. I think he had a, a shot yeah. that went for a throw-in at one point. But this was one for Dion Charles. It was a good ball in from the right by Dempsey. And Holy kind of spills it because I think he, if you watch it back, he's about to bundle into Lavelle, wasn't he? And I think he sort of panicked to like, I'm going to end up spilling this anyway. And he drops it. It falls to Charles, but he just cannot sort his feet out. And he puts the ball into the side netting with the goal gaping, actually. I didn't realise until I saw the highlights back. This was a really good chance for them, actually, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Uh, they'll they'll probably kick themselves because it was by far the best chance of the second half for me. Yeah, I mean, if if that goes in two one and suddenly comes a bit more of a battle for us to get back yeah, to the game, doesn't it? Definitely, definitely. As it was, it didn't. Up the other end of the pitch. Um, Gibson, good little play, bit of play down the left. Nice lofted ball over to Garner, who love, lays it off lovely for Maguire. And he, it was a difficult one because it didn't quite sit upright for him, did it? And he scuffs his shot, but he scuffs it well and it's going into the corner. And what a save from Baxter to, to claw it out. Yeah, it was a great save, that really was. Really outstanding bit of goalkeeping. But then a few minutes later, United take the lead. Um, you know, I think it's Jordan Gibson's philosophy right now. Is you know, if you if you don't buy a ticket, you can't. You're not going to win, are you? Um, in terms of his shooting, because corners over hit by Moxon comes into him on the left, cuts inside, and he just thinks, "Why not? I'm going to have a digger." And it takes a deflection quite early, so it loops up high. And the second it loops up off that deflection, I was thinking, "Oh, hang on a sec here, hang on a sec," and it just goes underneath the bar and over the despairing dive of Baxter and into the back of the net. And at that point, it's just, it was pandemonium, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It was just that split second after, you could see it took the the little deflection. It was just a little split second where you're like, is this guy did? Yeah. It, oh, <laughs> and cue, cue uh, pandemonium. Yeah, it, it was just absolutely crazy at that point And you could sit here and see the frustrations of the Bolton fans in the home end. And there was a feeling at that point, all right, okay, we might have to batten down the hatches a little bit here because you'd imagine they're going to throw everything at it. But Everett is so stubborn with his tactics. 
there wasn't even a thought of like, you know, he brought on Bod Varsony, you know, he's a big lad. There's no thought of, well, maybe we go direct to him and try and pick up the pieces off it. No, they just kept trying to play what they did. And we were like, okay, we'll do that. Mellish and, and uh, Lavelle picking up the pieces in the middle. They were fine with that. As it was, I, I don't... Did Holy have a save to make in that last 20 minutes? Not really. Nothing major anyway. No, I, I genuinely can't recall it. Um, quite a bit of added on time at the end. Um, seven minutes. I thought it was going to be about 10, to be honest. I was quite surprised it was that low because they were accusing us of time-wasting quite a bit. I don't think we were really that much, but I was a little bit surprised it was that low. Uh, four minutes into that, they get a corner and the keeper comes up. I mean, what are you thinking at this point? I'm thinking, hang on, there's still three minutes left here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I can see why you did it because, you know, you're 2-1 down at home and yeah. I'm, I'm always of the belief that I'd rather go down three one having a go, yeah, than two one meekly, but <laughs> charging up with you know still a full three minutes and that someone near me sort of said, "Hey, you could get caught out here if we could get the first contact." Oh, what, and... I, I, I said that as well. I said, "Look, I said, look, get Gibson on the edge of the box because he's so good dribbling and he's so good with his technique. You've got to get him near the edge of the box." And if you actually watch it, but from what from the view I had behind the goal. I don't think he asked the bench if he can go up. I think he just thinks, sod it, I'm going to do this. Because <laughs> yeah. he, he never once looks over the bench. He just bang, his head was down straight up there. And the corner comes in and he, he actually gets close to being on the end of it. Only problem is, I think Lavelle's about a couple of inches taller than him. <laughs> he gets over it, wins another brilliant header, straight to Gibson. And he was just aware at that point, wasn't he? He had Alfie McCalman on his left, Terry Blade on the right. And... Didn't need either of them, did he? If you watch it back, I, it happened so quickly. It was such a blur at the time. If you watch it back, you don't re- realise that a lovely bit of skill to send the defender, wasn't it, on the edge of the box or 25 yeah. yards from goal. And then he's like, thank you very much. I'm going to put this in. And he and he puts that little bit of bounce on the shot. So it goes over the de- defender trying to slide in and stop it. And it's 3-1 and Jordan Gibson's got his first career hat-trick. And yeah, Game again... Over. At that point, it just went absolutely wild in that way. And I jumped up so high that I think I had a like, rush of blood to the head and I had to sit down for a minute because I was going to pass out. I did look at my... Because anyone who follows me on Instagram will know I put up a picture at the playoff final at Wembley showing my heart rate monitor on my watch. And I think it got to 134. got to 150 during this game. <laughs> I don't know how. Because it wasn't even that scary at times. I just... Maybe the heat or whatever. I don't know. But um, yeah... One of my favourite things, Dan, I've been watching some of the vlogs that uh, the Bolton fans have done from this game, is there's a great thing about that third goal. Is the second it hits the back of the net, on all those videos, you hear this collective noise of plastic seats flipping up and clunking, (laughs) of people getting up to leave. It's just absolutely one. I'm like, yes, that's that's one of the best noises I've heard in ages. Although, I actually have to say, You've seen the club's video, haven't you, of the away end celebrations when that goal goes yeah, in. Yeah. It's just brilliant. Yeah, that, that, that clown who claims that we've got dead limbs, whatever it was on Twitter. Absolute nonsense, but there you go. And there you go, that was it. That was the final real chance of the game. Saw the last few minutes out. And uh, yeah, I, I think we're in agreement. One of the best away days in a long, long time, wasn't it? Yeah, it was uh, certainly up there. I mean, Probably top 10 material for me, to be honest. Yeah, 
there's nothing wrong with that, you know, a big away following, you know, up in League One. It's, it's, it's nothing to do with this being like a biggest game in history, just a good away day, wasn't it? And uh, got to say, some of the things that made it good was obviously the huge away following, 4,407. A bit mentioned for that, Dan, because I know you work in the rail industry, so you'll have an idea of all the issues that happen on Friday night. For those fans to get down, um, I'll give a little bit of credit to the rail operators. They managed to get a few trains on in the end, didn't they, from Carlisle to Preston to get people down. But what an effort for them all to get to the game. Oh, yeah. Uh, we, we we actually think our train was a bit later than some of the others and it was really quiet hours. Mm. But uh, on, on the way down, the guard actually said, oh, there'll be nothing going north after half four. And I was like, well, there is. I know there is. You know? <laughs> I mean, I, I had access to feeds that, aren't as open as National Rail, etc. Yeah. But there was clearly trains running. And uh, one, one laugh on the way back, we uh, they had this weird queuing system at Bolton Station, which just oh, yeah. didn't work. Because we were all queuing for the wrong platform. So we all had to walk right down the platform, over the bridge and along the other platform. And when, uh, when we got into Preston, platform three, on platform four, there was a trans-pennine for Carlisle. And everyone's like, quick! And the doors didn't open for about three minutes. <laughs> and then once they opened, there was the biggest charge of the light brigade across the forecourt at Preston <laughs> Station. About 300 folk literally crammed onto a, a trans pennine. You could, you could see all the customers who were thinking, oh, we'll be pulling off in a minute. You saw this horde come <laughs> running over. and Yeah, yeah we, we ended up uh, earlier, earlier than we expected. So all good. Yeah. Fantastic, yeah. We um, so obviously we were going back to Manchester to get the train back to Liverpool after the game, and we, like you, joined the queuing system because we got there and we were kind of like, because uh, there was a queue for the Manchester platform for the Manchester bound pl- Bolt, sorry, Bolton and Manchester bound platform, but that was all full of Bolton fans. We thought I don't really want to join that queue, so we went and joined what was the Carlisle fans heading to Preston platform queue. And we did say to like the stewards, whatever they were managing it, like, look, we are going to Manchester. Is this okay to queue it? And like, yeah, it's fine. When you go on, just stay on the platform that you, that yeah, you go on to. Yeah. Um, it was a bit, the way they handled it, because they said, oh, you know, anyone goes to Manchester, you'll be let on soon, one of the police officers said. And then it turns out we weren't. We had to wait for the next train after that. So there was a bit of a kickoff about that. And to be fair on the police officer, it wasn't his fault. He was giving duff information and he, he was trying to explain that all to us. And then someone jokingly said to him, who do you support? And he goes, Stockport County, so thank you very much. <laughs> so he, he wasn't very happy. Fair play at the lad, like he, he made a bit of a joke about it. But yeah, it was, it generally it was good natured down there. There wasn't any real issues, you know, a bit of to and fro and I think with fans shouting or whatever. And, you know, I'm sure uh, we've got a six second review from Michael Chubb playing in a minute um, where I think he'll talk about us walking past the pub probably, I think, after the game. Um, but yeah, Brilliant in terms of that. I've got to say, atmosphere is fantastic as well from those fans. The noise from start to finish. Yeah, yeah. I've got that, uh, what you call it, the da 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 song stuck in my head now. I couldn't get that out for, for days afterwards. I can't remember what the tune is now. Um, you'll probably remember it better than me. C-U-S-C. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah that, that stuck in my head for, it for quite a while uh, on the way back. Um but yeah, brilliant for that. I've got to say, actually, it's a great away on that one. It, it really is. Like, the concourse is yeah, a fairly yeah. decent size. Yeah. You know, plenty of, you know, your, your things inside. Considering it's 25 years old, because sometimes you get some of them and they've not really been designed that well in terms of the space of that sort of thing. 
view-wise, perfectly fine. You could see everything you needed. And got to say as well, like the, the atmosphere in there, that it, it's well designed because it keeps the noise in really well, doesn't it? Yeah, the, I think the roof lends it to that. I mean, there is a bit of wasted space in the corners from the way, yeah. way the roofs work, but, you know, like I say, it keeps the noise sort of in a bit. And uh, They don't really need uh, that space, do they? they don't, it's not like they sell out every week or anything, so it works pretty fine, I think, for them, probably. Um, but yeah, lovely stuff, a real battling performance, a bit of sunshine in October as well, about 22, 23 degrees. I was sweltering by the time kickoff arrived. It was so warm. Um but yeah, like I said, even queuing for the train afterwards didn't feel too bad. It was quite enjoyable the trip back. Um, yeah, as I mentioned before, brave of Simo to stick with the four three three. You know, it's, it's worth the treat. Um, something I think we'll probably stick with for a little bit. I'd imagine at the moment. Uh, well, let's talk about individual performances then, Dan. Where should we start with this one? Well, the, the obvious starting point is obviously Jordan Gibson, isn't it? You know? Yes, unbelievable performance. I mean, just a few stats before we, we get into the the you know, talk about his performances. Um, first hat-trick for the Blues since Nathan Thomas versus Forest Green Rovers in January 2020. It's the first League One hat-trick for the Blues since Gary Medine versus Hartlepool United in September 2010. It's going back a bit, isn't it? Was that it's the caught... 4-0 when Michelic scored as well? Yeah, from like 45 yards, 40, 45 yeah. yards. The same He's day that... Ekerset missile out his boot. Yeah, I, I I nearly missed. I was in the press box and I looked up and saw Chester roll the ball to him and he hammered it in the net. And that was also the day I think Gary uh, got sentenced for his court case as well. So yeah, all fun and games, isn't it really? But there you go. Uh, yeah, just talk about Gibber then. We've been singing his praises all season. Another brilliant performance for him, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, no, he really, really, uh, you know... I'm, does he thrive on the big crowd, the big, the big stage sort of thing? I don't know. It just it clicked with him perfectly, didn't it? You know, he's like you said, he's he's played he's played well most of this season. He's had the odd bad game, but in general, he's been probably probably our strongest performer, pretty yeah. much. That's a good point. And, about uh, the... No, he got he got his just rewards. I think it's a big good, good point there actually about the big crowd thing because you think back to it, he likes a big atmosphere, doesn't he? You think back to those games, the games against Bradford when he's played well, you know, the, the, in in the playoffs and in you know in the league games, and obviously the game against Stockport at Wembley as well. He he really thrives on that, and it, it seems to lift his performance quite a bit. He's it, like he's taking charge of games, isn't it? You know, I think we sort of mentioned it before, haven't we? That basically Moxon, um, he he's not able to get into games as much at the moment, is he? Because, simply because he's getting marked out of them, but that's handing an opportunity to Jordan, isn't it? Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Really, and he's, really, he's really. taken it as well, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, not just playing in midfield, he's played in, centre, in the centre midfield role, he's played on the wing this season, you know, he's shown how adaptable he is in terms of that. Technically up there as one of our best players, isn't he, I think as well, you know, in terms of the way he uses the ball. Really, really impressive. And, you know, we keep saying it, but, you know, new contracts for them to look at once the, hopefully the takeover gets sorted. I think he'll be at the uh, the top end of the list. I think Simo's actually even said that, hasn't he? I think he, yeah. in the post-match interview thing, or the thing ahead of the... Uh, the game <laughs> there'll, there'll be a few at the bottom end of the list after midweek, apparently. Well, but... yes. We'll talk about that when we, when we preview the um, the late on yeah. game, maybe. Um, 
but yeah, f- fantastic. Like he's actually, and the thing is, he's a hard worker as well. I think that goes a little bit un- unspoken sometimes. He, he's not, you know, he can get wingers who aren't prepared to put a shift in, aren't they? But he really, really does. He he works hard. He can get a bit frustrated at times, but you know, that's that. You know, he just wants to do as well as he can, doesn't he? So, so there you go. Let's talk on to another performance, Dan. And then I think we both agree this man would have been man of the match if it wasn't for Jordan's hat trick, Sam Lavelle. I thought he was absolutely class on Saturday. Especially given he got a booking after what seven minutes or so. Yeah, it's a soft booking that one it was was as well. I, I think later in the game maybe I'd understand well, it, but seven minutes in, I, I have no problem. I had no problem with the booking if that's how you're going to ref the game. But there was three or four tackles later in that half hmm. that were worse, and they were getting bookings and. Me and a, a lad beside me were like, "You set your stall out by booking early. Surely, yeah. surely these are all bookings, you know." But yeah, we'll never understand referees. No, we won't. Uh, with Lavelle, obviously, we kind of thought he had a little bit of a shaky start in his first couple of games and was just finding his feet a little bit. But he's really coming to his own in this last month or so, hasn't he? Really, and yeah, the fact that Simo's made him captain in Hunter's absence tells you a lot, doesn't it? Yeah, it speaks volumes, that doesn't it? He's just that's the kind of play he is, and as I say, he was he was impressive again on Saturday. Really proper leader's performance, and he's forming a nice partnership with Mellish at the back, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Um, that's two games now they've played together. Hmm. Yeah, and, and they've, they've done all right. Peterborough yeah, yeah. game and Bolton against two of the better teams in the division. Yeah, and Mellish has shown in those games he can he can be quite disciplined, can't he? In terms of sitting there and just be a centre back like he he was when he was at Gatehead, so you know it, it shows he's he's a better player than Chris Beach ever gave him credit for. I think it's fair to say. More on that man later, by the way. Um, but yeah, really, really good to see. A um, couple more individuals I want to talk about. Alfie McCalman, second game in a row, he, and you know he, he had a bit of a slow start on his return. He wasn't quite making the impact he did when he first arrived last season, but last couple of games he's shown what he's about, hasn't he? Uh, do you know, so I think with some some of our players, I think there's possibly been a bit of a playoff hangover. Mm. In that we, they haven't had as long a break as normal. Yeah, the bodies haven't had the time, etc. Yeah, that might be a fair point. That to be fair, I think uh, this. I, I think this was probably one of Alfie's best games for us. Actually, to be fair, you know, even though he didn't score a goal like he has done in a few times last season. Just in terms of the way he used the ball when he got it, he was very quick on the front foot, wanted to get us forward, and you know setting up that chance for Maguire was a perfect example of that. So, more of the same, please, from Alfie. I'm sure he'll be starting again this weekend, I'd imagine. Um, someone at the opposite end of his career, but certainly showed uh, the young guns how it's done, didn't he? Joe Garner. You know, forget the penalty miss. That was a real target man's performance for him, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, any aspiring. Number old school number nine, as in a target man nine, you know, like Denny Combs was yeah. 20 years ago for us, would do well to watch Joe Garner's performance at Bolton because it wasn't perfect, but he did a lot of good stuff. And you know, he, he gets his clattering, he gets you know, he gets put about in that. And he seems he, he'll always have a slight complaint, you know, that's just in his yeah. nature, but he seemed to have it. Right, in fact, I'm not sure that's the right word. He just seemed to have it at the right temperament level on Saturday. Yeah, I and, think it, it, and it worked. 
yeah, I think you're right. His temperament was right inside. He, he basically he got into a good zone, didn't he? Basically, he was like, okay, I'm happy with how I'm playing today. And to be fair, on Ian Everett, he gave him a lot of credit after the game. He basically said that Garner bullied his two centre backs, didn't he? You know, I think he said yeah. that they missed Santos because he felt he would have maybe been able to deal with him a bit better. I'm not so convinced based on what I've seen of Santos in the past. But yeah, Garner was fantastic in terms of it. I think he won pretty much every header he went for, didn't he? And their their defenders just really couldn't cope with his physical side. So brilliant stuff. And who would have thought going back what, when was it? Um, back in August when we were thinking, he might be on his way out. He's been out of the match today squad a couple of times. He'd start two full games in a row, pretty much near enough. And, and potentially he's going to be making it three in a row this weekend. Never would have expected that, would you? Yeah, brilliant stuff. Um, we can yeah. we can maybe rest him when we're four 0 up after an hour. Yes, yes, indeed. Um, Bolton, we've already sort of touched on that already. I just I don't get how they have to be so stubborn all the time. I totally get you've got a philosophy and you want to stick to it, but they've got players to mix it up as well. That's what that's what makes it weird. But hey ho, that their loss, I guess, in that sense. Um, right, six second reviews, Dan. Um, We've got a few to get through. Um, not all the ones that are on the list, I should say. I've given you a list here, but there's a couple who aren't on there that are doing it, but also some that are on there that aren't doing it. Anyway, do you want Just to do that blame. first? Do you want to do that first? Or do, do we want to hear from the from the Trotter Chatter podcast and what they had, what one of their guys had to say about the game? Yeah, we'll do that first. Yes. So uh, the Trotter Chatter uh, podcast, very kindly... Um, one of their guys came on um, on the podcast last week. Really, really appreciate that, to be fair. This isn't that guy, I don't think. I think it's someone else who's on their pod. They did a, a post-mortem of the results. Um, uh, this guy doesn't seem to have a very high opinion of us, does he? Let, let's play the clip. It was really poor. And, you know, they're a team that's just come up from League Two as well. They are a minnow. Like, Carlisle is a minnow. That's probably one of the greatest results in their history on Saturday. Like, they brought more... Um, so I was cha- I got the train on, on Saturday and I was chatting to a Carlisle fan on the train and he said they were bringing more to the Reebok than they did for their last home game so wow. they had more in the end of our ground than they did in their last home ground, their last home game um, and just like always their players knew what it meant right before we, we, we talk I a bit more think- about that I, I, I know what you're going to say yeah. I know what you're going to say yeah, They I mean before Paul Simpson returned. Yes, I think he's misheard the guy. I'll, get, I'll yeah. give him a little bit of credit here. He's misheard the guy. The guy's probably said, and this is something we've been saying all week, we've taken more to that game than we did to our last game under Keith Millen before Paul Simpson was appointed because we were an absolute shambles at that point. We were on the verge of going out of the league. We were a mess. Now, there's every chance we'll double the amount we took there for the home game this weekend. Potentially, we'll be pushing towards nine thousand. I'd imagine because it seems to be a bit of a push to try and get a, a bigger crowd again in. Um, the other stuff's just absolutely guff, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, basically. I mean, gr- greatest result in our history, mate. We've beaten Roma in the Olympic Stadium. <laughs> we've yeah. we've beaten Chelsea and Spurs and Middlesbrough to go top of the f- football league for a club our size. We're not a massive club. We, we, we're first to admit that. Um, we, you know, in the top, maybe we've been to Wembley in '95, and we had eight, you know, big, second biggest. There was more people at our final against Birmingham in 1995 than there was for Liverpool v Bolton in the League Cup final that season. 
You know, so don't make out you're the big team. Um, yeah, just just a little bit of um, it, it 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 it's just pathetic, really, isn't it? Really, I mean, there's a bit of it. Mo, to be fair, the guy who came on was good with us, and uh, you know we were just having a little bit of fun there. And if they want to pick up something stupid I've said in the past, more than welcome to because there's probably stuff in there. There's plenty oh, of them. There's plenty of them. It just <laughs> makes all it makes me think is this. Dear Lord, what a sad little life, Jane. Yes, what a sad little life. Um, I think we talked enough about that, fellow, haven't we? Um, should we get on to six-second reviews? Then we'll start with with uh, Michael from Formby. He sent us in one. Where do you start? It's one of the best away games in a long, long time. We were comfortably the better team. Our game plan worked to perfection. Um, it's hard to pick out individual players, um, but... Sean Maguire, while he could have scored a couple of goals, he was a constant thorn in their side. For me, it's no coincidence that, obviously, one is the penalty at Bolton, um, but he's been involved in some of our other penalty shouts as well. I think he's a very difficult player to defend against, and I think when he really gets going, scoring, I think he could go on a bit of a run for us. He's a very, very good player. Um, I've noticed as well that um, when Bolton scored, sometimes you've got about five or six seconds of players been berated and then eventually we'll maybe start singing United and get behind the team. Literally, the second the ball hit the back of the net, all of the fans were right behind the team, supporting the team. No one was on anyone's backs. It was fantastic to see and I think we really were the 12th man. Pretty comprehensive, and Mike. There couldn't couldn't disagree with that. Yeah. I mean, what do you think about his point about Sean Maguire? Yeah, yeah, absolutely bang on, isn't it? He'd, I'm, 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 I'm going to be honest here. I'm just going to agree with everything anyone says because it was <laughs> the biggest result ever. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised that what Mike didn't mention the story about when we were walking back to the to the station. For those those who haven't been before, you have to walk past the Harvest Pub, don't you? Which is a yeah. home fans only pub. We were going to go in there for well, we'll go in there and kill a bit of time before we have to get our train. But they wouldn't let us in because we didn't have a season ticket, which is ridiculous. But um, so but there's a little beer gun behind that, and a little fence, and some of their fans were looking over it, and they started you know, lobbing things at us, lobbing various bits of shrapnel. But then as we're walking by, I looked, and I was like, "You just lobbed the pound coiners," <laughs> and Mike's like, oh, "Thanks very much." Cheers. <laughs> Picked it up and put it in his pocket and took it home with him. So there you go. Um, yeah, pretty comprehensive there from Mike. Um, who do you want next? I've got Andy Lee. Craig Robson or Greg Bumble. I'll do Greg's first because Greg, Greg did a 37-second review on the six-second review. So here's what Greg had to say. What a result. I can't believe that. Uh, big shout-out to my mate Mike Patterson for driving when we were due to go on the train. Sorry for waking up at quarter past six to discuss it, mate. I thought we were brilliant yesterday. I thought Jordan Gibson was unbelievable, even if he hadn't scored a goal. Lavelle as well. Excellent game. I thought Maguire had a great game, even though he, he had two really, really good chances. That's the game where we've had the most chances this season. It was really, really encouraging. Bolton looked a good team, but we defended brilliantly. It was, to a man, a great performance. What a day. A great atmosphere. Everything was brilliant. Up the blues. Hey, straight to the point from Greg there, wasn't it? Everything covered, 37 seconds, bang, lovely stuff. Got to say, we've been taking a bit of the mick out some of the Bolton fans. I'm going to do a little bit more now because I'm going to talk about some of the vloggers. Uh, Mr. Fogden. 
all the all the kids will know about him, won't they? I think we, we sort of vaguely know. I've of heard him. of him. <laughs> yeah, everyone's heard of him. He's a bit of a prat, to be pretty honest. Him and his dad. Him and his dad predicted we were going to finish twenty fourth in their season prediction thing. So I know there was only three getting relegated, wasn't there? I can remember. Yeah, that. ridiculous. But he, he predicted that, and um, and yeah, I think that was his first Bolton game in like four months or something like that. He was saying. Um, which doesn't seem to make sense because that would be into June, wouldn't it? When there wouldn't be any games. Um, yeah, he, he, he was just a prat, wasn't he? On his thing as well, he came across a bit of an idiot. But uh, very funny watching him practically crying when the second goal went in. Very, very amusing. But actually, you've got to say most of the Bolton fans I spoke to after the game were spot on. Really, really good people, and, and said, you know, you were the better side and you deserved it. So yeah, there was, there was a lot of that on uh, Twitter as well. Yeah, absolutely. They're they're, they're all very. Pretty sound, to be fair. The majority of them, so it's a fair play. Uh, right, we'll do Andy Lee left. We'll leave the best till last. Craig can go last, so here's Andy's. This is my 60-second review of yesterday's 3-1 away win at Bolton Wanderers. What a result. Perfect away day performance. As I mentioned on social media, we've had 31% of the ball, made 300 less passes than Bolton, but yet we had three times as many more shots on target than them, and we scored three times as many goals. It's not all about how much possession you have of the football, it's what you do when you have it, and just importantly, what you do when you're out of possession. Gibson will rightly get the plaudits with his hat-trick performance and receiving his third man of the match in two weeks, but I thought the defence were immense, as was Hawley. There were bodies on the line, blocking shots, defenders hoovering up all the loose balls, in particular Sam Lavelle, who again was excellent considering he was booked seven minutes into the game. Another huge game next week, as we play a team we could leapfrog on the table and lead in Orient, up the Blues. Yeah, straight to the point from Andy there as well. Uh, all good stuff covered there. Fair point Holy as well. Another great game from him. Pretty much secured back their first choice position for the goalkeeper, I think it's fair to say now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I think for the foreseeable. Yeah, I, 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 in the nicest way possible, I wouldn't be surprised if we're looking at another keeper for January to come in to replace Anderson because he's not really made the impact at the moment we'd hoped. Um, the point about passes was quite interesting. 300 less passes than Bolton because the pass success stats show that our pass success was 66%, which is quite good for us, actually, because sometimes we're down towards the fifty low, low 50s. Bolton's was 83%. But what's the point if you're just passing it amongst yourselves <laughs> with no incisive pass, you know? You've got to take those risks, haven't you? And that's that's, that's what we did. So there you go. Uh, right. Should we do Craig's now then? I'll, 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 I should apologise now. For anyone who downloaded last week's episode early on, you'll have heard the wrong 60-second review for Craig, won't you? Because uh, I cocked up and up, uploaded the wrong one into the soundboard. And somehow neither of us noticed when we recorded, did we? <laughs> I'm not sure how, but, uh, but there you go. Right, here's Craig's six-second review. Hi Lee, this is my review for the Bolton game. Bolton, remember, right? Not Derby. You know the Bolton game that Jordan Gibson scored a hat-trick. I mean, good performance from him, well-deserved. And so far, he's finding probably many others, like, player of the season, well, obviously so far. But it wasn't just him, to be fair, that played well. I thought it was a strong team performance and that Maguire played well. He should have scored when he was one-on-one, though. Um, everybody played well except for a few mistakes in the first half. But, you know, after 15, 20 minutes, we started to play football, started making runs. Um, I thought Oblade did really well when he came on, and it was definitely a game for him with Bolton trying to play such a high line. Um, yet again, I thought Hawley did well again, and he 
came and claimed everything that he could, whereas Anderson would have liked possibly stayed on his line. An amazing amount of away fans as well for this one. Really good to see, especially with all the trains being cancelled. Hopefully we can make a habit of winning onto the next one of the Blues. Good to the point there, Craig. Thank you for reminding me of my cock-up last week. Um, cheeky little sod. <laughs> right. That's all the six-second reviews done then, Dan. Uh, time for a quick roundup of the League One results from the weekend before we take a break and go into the second half of the show. Uh, looking down there, the early kickoff last weekend, Oxford United 2, Bristol Rovers 1. Um, Joey Barton in the headlines again this week, I think. Some of his comments about... Was it about women football pundits or something else, I think? But never out the news, that fella, is he? Um, Charlton 2, Blackpool 2. Cheltenham, they've got a goal. Yeah, that must have been a, a cheer. <laughs> You'd imagine, like, a, a one, against Derby as well. They're not a bad team to get a goal against. A 1-1 draw, that one finished. Um, Exeter nil, Barnsley. Well, Exeter have dropped off a little bit now, haven't they? Since they're, after their good start, they've sort of plateauing a little bit. Fleetwood won Wickham four. That defeat of Wickham doesn't look too bad now. She does it when you see that. You know, Fleetwood though, it looks like it's going to be a real slog for them, doesn't it? Especially when Marriott's still mm. scoring goals, but you'd imagine Oxford probably going to come back in to try and sign him again in January, wouldn't you? It'd be difficult to keep hold of him if you know they're right up near the top. Uh, Leighton Orient two, Reading one, Peterborough two, Lincoln City nil. Portsmouth got a two nil win over Port Vale. Still not lost a game. Shrewsby 1, Northampton 0 and Stevenage 1-0 win over Wigan. Um, I'm looking at the table here, Dan. Um, Portsmouth very much leading the way. No defeats. Oxford just behind them. Um, although they've played one game less, so Oxford could go ahead of them, actually, if they win their game in mm-hmm. hand. So, yeah, I mean, other than that, I mean, Barnsley, we kind of thought they might be up there. Peterborough and Bolton as well, obviously. Derby are just starting to find their way up there as well. A bit of an un- unbeaten run for them. Um, and like I said, you know, you like to Port Vale and Exeter just starting to slip down the table a little bit. Cambridge have really slipped down after their good start. And uh, yeah, it's all just starting to tighten up a little bit, isn't it? It's just at the bottom where it's looking desperate for Cheltenham, of course. But as well as that, Wigan, just they've had four defeats in a row now. And even Reading, four games without a win. So it could be a real time. And Reading potentially going into administration as well, possibly soon, which could, it's horrible to say, but could benefit us, couldn't it? Yeah, it's 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 obviously skewed at the bottom of the league because yeah, you know Wigan and Reading and Reading just seem to be going going through all sorts, and Cheltenham. I know you can't see it <laughs> in the start of October, but Cheltenham really looked gone already. Yeah, yeah, you know they've, they've not they've not won a game yet, and the three wins behind, you know, yeah. and Fleetwood just doesn't seem to happen for them, so. You know, it's it could be the fact that two, maybe three places are decided quite early this season. Mm. So, you know, if we can get some good reinforcements in, in January, you never know. We could get ourselves a little bit off the table and not away from trouble, hopefully. Have to wait and see. Right, we'll take a short break, Dan, and then we'll be back with the second half of the show. Hi, I'm Owen Moxon, and you're listening to The Brunton Bugle. 
Okay, into the second half of the show, and this is normally the point where we do the Behind Enemy Lines section. Unfortunately, we haven't been able to arrange one this week. Um, the guys from the Lowdown podcast, we speak to them each season. I think a couple of years ago with the whole lockdown things, we were speaking to them three or four times a week. I think it was just ridiculous. But unfortunately, they're taking a little bit of break from recording at the moment until, I think, November. Uh, I think there's Basically, I think there's a little bit of sort of feeling there after what happened with the fan passing away at one of their games recently. It's just they're taking a little break. So yeah, we wish those guys all the best, and yeah, we'll, we'll catch up with them later in the season okay dan should we do the uh question again that mike sent in uh let's try and get our answers to this Let it just yeah, remind everyone. I've, I've been i've been thinking on this i think i've got at least three okay well let's let's hear the question again just to remind everyone now if you remember from last week's question Leighton orient manager richie wellens was in league one team of the year in 2007 2008 now, in that Doncaster Rovers team that he played for, he had five teammates that would later go on to play for Carlisle. Who are they? Bing. Um, <laughs> right. Off the top of my head, Jason Price straight away. The first one I've Jason Price and Lewis Guy for definite for me. Yes, I'm pretty sure they were both there. Was Billy Painter there then, or was that before? I The third one that I had in my head as a definite... Sean McDade. I'm sure yes. he was Doncaster around that You're time. You are 100% right. Definitely Sean McDade. So Sean McDade's in there. So that's free. Now, I've got another, but I'm I'm positive this player came from Doncaster to us, possibly on loan, but I'm not sure if it's the right season, if he was there in time, and that's Gareth Taylor. Oh... He definitely came from Doncaster. I'm just not sure if he was maybe a year or two later. I feel like we had him on loan that season from there. I'm oh not no, sure. yeah, I, I thought it was maybe or nine-ish. You might be maybe right. Actually, you might, I think you might be right. All right, we'll go Gareth Taylor. Oh, God, we'll, we'll pile up the strikers here, potentially, aren't we? I can't think. It's got. It's got to be another curveball, isn't it? It's going to be one of these really smart ass ones yeah. that he's come up with. You know, it'll, it'll be someone at the very start of the career who played like yeah. one League Cup game or something. Oh, Adam Cullen. Was he not part of their squad on loan that season? I think he was a bit later. Or maybe been it. No, in fact, oh, trying to think, had he already gone to Reds by then? I think he'd already gone to Reds, actually. No, I think he was there a bit early, actually. No. Right, so we're going to go with Jason Price. Um, who else did you say? Jason Price, Sean McDade. Um, I, I'm sure I'm sure Adam Collin was about 2003, Yeah, you're right. It was that season. Yeah. Right, yeah. Um, so we're going Jason Price, Sean McDade. Um, who were the Lewis ones you Guy. said? Lewis Guy. Lewis Guy. Gareth Taylor, Gareth Taylor, maybe. And should we just throw Billy Painter in there because we don't know? Not I don't 100%. think Painter's right. No, I think he might have been later, possibly. Anyway, right, yeah. here's the answers to Mike's question this week. And they were Lewis Guy, Gareth Taylor, Sean McDade, Anthony Griffith and Jason Price. Oh, Anthony Griffith. He must have started his career there. Oh wow that 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 is that was I'm a just type, I'm, I'm just typing him up. And, well, uh, he's a former Orient player as well, isn't he? So that t- ties in quite nicely, actually. Yeah, <laughs> you know, weird, he, uh, he he started. Well, he actually was at Glasshouten Welfare. Wow! And he joined Doncaster in '05. 
and he was with them until 2008. Montserrat's finest, eh? Yeah. There you go. Right, uh, let's talk about the Orient game then, Dan. Um, yeah, interesting one, this one, isn't it? Because we've had... Te- I know we played Stevenage already. He's another one of the teams that got promoted of us. But it's always interesting to, to test yourself and compare yourself against the teams who got promoted with, especially the ones who finish as champions. I think there's a fair few parallels between us and them this season in terms of how we've we've done. Um, in terms of looking back at their signings and stuff like that, they've kept together a, a decent chunk of the, the solid core of their squad, haven't they? Especially defensively. And that's probably going to help them in the long term like it will help for us. Yeah, uh, I I sort of see Leighton Orient as a bit of a similar club to us. Mm. Uh, we've played them a lot over the years. There's definite potential there. And, you know, they've they've kept quite a core. I mean, losing the keeper was a big blow. Yeah, Vigoro. You know, yeah, Vigoro, yeah, that, that, that's a big blow because he was, he was a level above League 2 last season. I don't know if he was Burnley level, but... Well, he's sitting in the stands at Burnley, isn't he? He's the third choice keeper yeah. there, but he, but yeah. he's probably at least, if not more, tripled his wage from what oh, he's yeah, in the audience. Yeah. So. 10, 10, 15 grand a week now, you know. Exactly, so. you know, set for life. But, uh, yeah, uh, I I actually see us and Orient having been quite close together in the league at the end of the season. Hmm. I, think, I think we've both got enough to stay up. Hmm. Obviously, they've started. They're starting a little bit better than us, but uh, yeah, the, we're, we're quite similar clubs. You know, we both like to say we both got potential. You know, they've they've obviously got a, a better catchment area for players with all the big teams around them. But they have uh, more competition from other clubs nearby. That's the only thing they. Yeah, play, true, it? true. You yeah. know, I mean, we know there's we know there's national league teams pay good money round there as well and whatnot. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 Um, looking at their summer transfer business, what do you make of it, Dan? Similar to us in that they brought back a few of the players they had last season, haven't they? I think uh, El Mazzuni, who was fantastic for them last season, um, probably a little bit below Moxon's level. And that, that's not really a disparaging thing to say, is it? He was right up there as one of the best midfielders in the division. Back on loan from Ipswich. And I think Ed Turns, I think he was on loan there as well from Brighton for the second half of last season, if I remember rightly. Yeah. The, the, on the, the, one, the one that stands out for me is Ethan Galbraith. I would have, I'd have loved to have signed this lad. I think he's mm. a real player. Uh, there was rumours of Championship teams interested in him. Yeah, um, I, I, I think, I think, you know, he's he's a quality player at this level. Uh, Dan Agai's one as well. Uh, we were linked with him, weren't we? It was, it was thought we maybe missed out on him. Mm. He's, he was very good for crew last season, wasn't he? You know, yeah. a, poor, a poor crew side as well, wasn't he? even like a, a decent one. He really yeah, stood yeah. out. Um, yeah, uh, he's an interesting one. Uh, the goalkeeper Saul Brin did really well at Swindon last season. He's, he's not quite... The problem is he's got such a difficult job replacing Vigoury, hasn't he? He was always going to be yeah, a challenge yeah. for him. He's found it a bit tougher at, uh, at uh, Orient. Um, there were a couple of interesting other additions in attack. I mean, Jordan Graham from... Birmingham City's quite a decent player, isn't he? Um, again, probably a fairly decent coup for them. And, and Joe Piggott, as a target man, you know that, that's a pretty decent addition at this level too, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, the the one, one name that always, Sotryu, for some reason, hmm. always seems to do all right whenever I see his name. I don't hmm. know why. He just, he seems to. Uh, 
I'm just trying to bring up his figures here, and typically he's... He's in a world there he is. Yeah. He he just seems to get goals, not massive numbers, but, you know, he'll, he'll get... He's one of those he'll get 10 a season and make another five, so he obviously he does his job in the team, you know, and mm. he's, he's only 23, he's played a lot of football, you know, he's similar to, you know, like some Jack Armour for ourselves, and, you know, he's, he's played his football, and, you know, it, it's good to see these sort of players in the league. He's um he's an interesting one, isn't he? Because he's, he's one of the many Cypriots uh, that they sign at Orion. For those who aren't aware, you'll know this well from having living down there, there's this sort of just to the... So west of that, there's quite a big Cypriot community, isn't there, in North London, around Harringay Way? Yes. So they, they, they seem to pick up quite a few players, because there was a lad who um, went to Peterborough, Hector, uh, I can't really say name is now. The lad who went to Peterborough, the midfielder anyway, he's another one of them, isn't he? Yeah. And there's one who, one who left this summer to go and join a uh, Cypriot second division side as well, Anthony Georgiou. Um, other departures in the summer, I think... Uh, Interesting ones. Paul Smith going to QPR. That was a bit of a blow as well, returning to QPR. Having been there in the past, because he was a big part of their creative sort of yeah. force last season, wasn't he? But of the squad, you're already there, obviously. Anyone else who stands? I think Omar Beckles is injured at the moment, isn't he? He's a very good defender in the lower league levels. But Darren Pratt. He's got the PFA rep now as well, Beckles. He is as well. I think he's the chair of the yeah. PFA, if I remember yeah, right. Yeah, something like that, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, in terms of. Other players, Darren Prattley, still going strong, isn't he? At the age of what, 37, 38 now, I think he is. Um, I'm just loading up his finger just to check out exactly how old he is. He is. He's 38, yeah, he turns 39 in next April. And he's still still going strong. I don't think they use him as much these days. He's more of a sub coming on. But he's done a, an incredible job, hasn't he, down the years in every midfield he's been in. Yeah, he's, you know, he's probably their version of Paul Huntington for us with his... Yeah. his age and his experience you know and yes coming up a league these players maybe won't play quite as much you know they'll feel it a bit more in the legs but you know just their presence in, in dressing rooms in training you know it's, it's invaluable yeah um, Theo Archibald was obviously brilliant against us last season wasn't he he scored two great yeah. goals um, George Moncourt I didn't realise he's 30 I thought he was much I thought he was like in his mid-20s for some reason I still thought he was like young but no, he's uh, he's a bit older than I first thought, but uh, seems yeah, to have been around for years. Yeah, it's just a weird one, isn't it? Really, but um, is I can remember him at uh, Colchester. Yeah, was he at West Ham? Did he start out? If I remember rightly, or possibly, yeah. yeah. Seems to ring a bell, but yeah, no, just pretty decent player. I'm just loading up his thing now, just double check that I've got that right. Uh, yeah, he started at West Ham. He was at West Ham. Well, Tottenham youth before West Ham, and yeah, you're right. Colchester and Barnsley. He's been out. Luton obviously was out for a couple of years as well before he went to Hull. And uh, yeah, no, pretty good player too. Um, last time at Orient, uh, they won two one against Reading, as we mentioned. Um, yeah, the brilliant goal from Jordan Brown to put them ahead. Uh, a bit of scrappy one for Binden to equalise for Reading, and then Moncour uh, finished from a few yards out from a corner. So you know they'll be pretty happy with that as a result. Although Reading are in particularly great form. Um, yes, looking through the other stuff. Uh, overall form, they're eleventh in the last six games form table. I think they'll be pretty happy with that. The record in last six league games is lost one, drawn one, lost one. So you know, up and down, but you know, the, you know, three wins in the, in the last six. That, that's pretty decent. United should say are not up to seventeenth. They're creeping up that last six form uh, table. 
last six results for United, obviously a drawn, drawn, lost, lost, drawn, won. So, you know, we're just only two losses in the last six is not too bad, I suppose, would you say? No, not at all. Not at all. I mean, that's averaging about a point a game. If you're average about 1.1, 1.2 points a game for the rest of the season, we'd probably stay up, don't we? And you'd be happy with that for the first season back up here. You've got to remember our, our last two games as well. We've played two teams who we expect to be up there. Yeah, and we've got four points off them. <laughs> you could yeah. be pleased with that at the end of the day. Um, referee for this one, Ed Duckworth from Lancashire. It's his first season as an EFL referee, and as a result, he's never taken charge of a United game before. Uh, he's do you know what tra- team he supports? No, I don't. I do. How do you know that? Because I know a referee who knows him. Oh. Who does he support? Is he a Preston fan? Correct. I thought that, because I only said that because he's from Lancashire. <laughs> That's the reason why I said it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Pandy's oh, yeah. a Preston fan. Oh, but he's, uh, he's, been, he's been fast-tracked. Well, that's pretty clear because he's only had one season in National League yeah, before yeah. this, hasn't he? So he's clearly one they're impressed with. Um, last season, he took charge of uh, sixty-one, sorry, 18 games, handing out 61 yellows and four red cards. And this season, he's done nine games so far, handing out 49 yellows and one red. So not too the, over the, the top. W- the, word, the words that I got as a description was, he's very by the book. Oh, well, there you go. That's and I exactly, think that's sort of backed up with those figures, isn't it? That, that's exactly what we need in a game against Leighton Orient and Richie Wellens, isn't it, really? But there you go. Yeah. Um, 63rd meet between the two sides. Pretty balanced at the moment. 24 wins for United, 15 draws and 23 wins for the O's. In terms of recent results, though, Dan, um, we lost both encounters against them last season and we've not beaten them in the last seven meetings at Brunton Park. The last win was a 4-1 victory uh, in January 2012. That's quite a while, isn't it? Mm. Waiting for a win. They must be very much looking forward to their trip up this weekend. Um, right, before we talk about United, Dan, it's time for Play for Both. It's a bit where you get to shine. You get to tell us a bit about a player who's played for both clubs. And who have you gone for let me, this week? Let me just... Uh, well, it's not often I pick someone born in the 19th century. Ooh. Oh, you know who this is straight away. Excited about this one because I like this one. He was he was born in Carlisle in January 1884, and I believe he was in the first first Carlisle United team. Yeah, I think he might have even played for Shuttlegate United before that. Yeah, and I'm talking about Bob Spottiswood. I mean, if you're going to talk about a player from the early 20th century. Who played football? And you said, if you if you told me right, there's a footballer called Bob Spottiswood. What era? What time do you reckon he played? <laughs> yeah. You'd hundred percent say, oh, he played in the early 20th century, and you'd be right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you'd be bang yeah. on right. So actually, there's there's very little info on him playing for Carlisle because obviously stats weren't really a thing. Yeah, it's pre pre football uh, league. He, he was a halfback for mm. us, which was a defender. Yeah, and uh, he he must have moved down to London because he went to Croydon Common for a season, and then he uh, he joined Crystal Palace, where up until sort of World War One, he, he played coming up for getting onto nearly two hundred games across six seasons. So he obviously you know did really well there. Obviously, there was a bit of a break for World War One. And then he made one appearance for Clapton Orient that we know of. Uh, Leighton Orient obviously used to be called Clapton Orient yeah. back in the day. Yeah. Uh, apparently, he also appeared for Abergare Athletic, for Herbert, Sittingbourne, and Elsica Main. 
Yeah. But in 1922, this is brilliant. Plot twist Claxon, he became manager of Inter Milan. The first Englishman to manage Inter Milan. Barbie, you know, you know, just one minute you're playing half back for Carlisle, a few years later you're post World War as well. Mm. Into the land manager for two years, which is just incredible. I'm going to do a bit more research on this fella at some point because it, it, it's, yeah. a fas- it's a fascinating story. A, the, the, I've seen a few things online, and I can't really confirm if this is true that he might have been the reason why the um, they call managers like the Mister basically over there because right, of, right. Like, yeah. that that might not be right. It might be someone else yeah. that potentially is, is linked to. But it, his story gets even more interesting. Go on. Yeah, there's sadly on his Wikipedia page, there's, there's not much about him. But mm. uh, and he, indeed, he, he passed away in uh, 1966 in his early mm. 80s, uh, living in Bromley. He actually had a brother called yeah. Joe who also played for Carlisle, and I think it was Man City from memory. Yes, and I think he actually um... Swansea Town, <laughs> not City. Yeah. I feel like he played a few FA Cup games for Man City as well, but no, he doesn't didn't yeah, actually. To be honest, yeah. looking at there, but but yeah, he he's an interesting one. But interestingly, he had another brother, Frank Spottiswood, who was a rugby league player, and Frank um, played for Oldham Rugby League. He's one of their great players. Plays that like 112 games for them, but he also played in the first ever international rugby league game. Did Frank Spottiswood? And, Some, I, I, I don't know what Mrs. Spotted Wood was feeding these lads, but it worked. Well, do you know where they grew up? Do you know where they lived? Because I, I, I was just, I, I had access to like all census records at some point when yeah, I was doing yeah. family history. I was, I wonder what, I wonder what, you know, where they lived in Carlstuff. Do you know where they lived? The Beehive. Oh, right. Literally in the Beehive. The family lived in the Beehive in the early days. Wow. Which is incredible. Bob's story is very interesting as well, because you can actually find it, newspaper articles about him. He got banned for uh, allegedly max, match fixing and betting on matches. That's it. On his own yes. matches. Yeah. In like in the 1950s. Yeah. But actually, it turns out, I think he he got his ban overturned and he actually sued the Daily Mail because they tried to claim <laughs> that he was basically in ruin. And, and he won his case, apparently. The PFA helped him yeah. back then, or the original PFA. But uh, he did then actually get done for setting up an illegal uh, bookmakers in the 1950s in South yeah. London. Yeah. So, yeah, it's probably yeah. fair to say. Bob, yeah. Bob, Bob Spottiswood. Bit yeah. different from the normal type of players. Oh, just like a nice little one. I, we're going to do something different with the pod scene in terms of uh, feature episodes. I need to actually look into sorting, but um, we'll do a little bit on Bob Sports of one of those when I get all my research together on that. Um, I'll quickly bash through the the list then. Dan uh, Tristan Abrahams. Yeah, rather forget him, wouldn't you? <laughs> he yeah. Welling's finest these days. Nicky Adams. You forget that he played for Crawley and Vlaanderen, don't you? Yeah, that's yeah. spelled down south because you think of him a Northwest player, really. Obviously, he was at Northampton as well, but but there you go. Ben Anik, I think he seems to have played for everybody we've played for recently, actually. He comes up quite a lot. Stan Bowles, says a legendary player for you. Uh, Sean Brisley, less legendary. Jamal Campbell Rice, even less more legendary. Other, that doesn't make sense. That's bad English, isn't it? Even lesser legendary. Less of a legend. I don't know. Anyway. He's a legend in the sense that he costs us five hundred quid, though, isn't he? That, that's that's the key thing with Campbell Rice that everyone always remembers. Derek Clark, uh, Mervyn Day, he, um, he had quite a long spell at uh, Orient, didn't he? About eighty yeah, games, yeah. I think, for them. Um, Mark Ellis had a loan spell there. Um, Steve Finney, God rest his soul. Uh, David Galloway, Les Gore, Bobby Grant, Anthony Griffith, we mentioned earlier. Phil Hadland was he a loanee under 
under Collins, wasn't he, I think? Yeah, I think he was Collins, one, yeah. He's quite good as well, I seem to remember, but there you go. The great man himself, Jabu Abire, uh, Michael Liddell, Leon McSweeney, Tyrese Matoya, Tom Parks, Bob Spot, as we mentioned before, and Luke Weaver, of course, as well. I did wonder if you'd do Luke Weaver, actually, but I think you did him last time we did that, didn't we? So yeah, kind of yeah. made sense not to do him, but there you go. Right, let's talk about United then quickly, Dan. Um, injury-wise, Paul Huntington's the only one to add to the list, isn't he? About six, uh, sorry, uh, three or four weeks he'll be out for. Uh, Dylan McGeek's probably about a couple of weeks still away from uh, getting back into being available for selection. Um Coyote, but 10 weeks, we seem to think, and Taylor Charters, maybe six weeks, possibly. Yeah, I, I think it was basically put as McGeek will be end of October, Charters yeah. end of November, Coyote end of December, and I, I think, think Huntington will be end of October as well. Yeah, similar to uh, McGeek. Yeah. Um, obviously, we're missing Killsby and Nugent because they're both, both out on loan. But little shout out to Kai Nugent, got his first goal for Anna Fleck, didn't he? Last weekend, yeah. unfortunately, it was a 3-2 defeat to Cove Rangers, but you, know, you can't win them all. Um, Big game this weekend. Annan we all... versus Queens. Is it Queens? Is that sorry, Annan as next well? Next weekend. Next oh. weekend, sorry. Oh, wow. That, that'd be a good one, that one. Um, yeah. yeah. In terms of the team selection, I think, and formation, I think at the moment, it's not broke. Don't f- fix it. Yeah. You, after... after... After four points against two good teams, would be would be silly to change it. I think, unless yeah. there's any sort of injuries or you know, yeah, that kind of thing. Um, I think the only thing really to discuss the moment is the problem. This is something that Simo brought up in his post-match interview after the game. That you know, look, we we don't talk about the trophy games, do we? But I think it's unavoidable to talk about what Simo said after that game, isn't it? Really, in terms of how angry he was about the performance that the fringe players put put in. I'm, I'm, I had a quick look at his comments and he basically sort of said that Barkley and Whelan did their job as he expected the would because they're coming, yeah. you know, coming in. Guy and Moxon were fine. And I think he said Luke Plunge, was it? Did he give him? I, I, I didn't hear about the bit about Plunge. I think right? it was Plunge got a, like, he set about it, but basically nobody else was mentioned as having a go. So. Doesn't, yeah. doesn't speak well for the likes of Edmondson, Butterworth, etc. Because I, I wasn't obviously watching the game. I don't really take that much interest. But I, we we have the Twitter alert set up to our the Bugle account, don't we, for the official ones. Yeah. We, they come through to us. So I've seen a few of them coming through while I was at a gig on Tuesday night. And I've seen Edmondson was involved in some shots and some things. So I'm guessing it's just overall performance wasn't that great. But you're right. It does not say a lot for the other ones, does it really? I mean, someone else I spoke to watched it on possibly a dodgy stick, um, suggested that he thought the two fullbacks were the only ones who deserved any credit out of that game. Um, I've seen the goals. Anderson on the first one, I'm not sure what he's doing really. Positioning's pretty awful, isn't it? But, but there you go. But it's a worry, isn't it, that the fringe players aren't really looking like they're going to be up to challenging the first team? No, there's, there's, a, there's a tweet from Radio Cumbria today with like, some of the... The Paul Simpson speak, and I would expect changes in January at the moment. Yeah. Funnily enough, the, the reserves have got another game next week, uh, Central League Cup against Blackpool, yeah. and they're actually letting fans in at this one. Uh, oh, wow, nice. at one o'clock, one o'clock on Tuesday. I think I'm off on Tuesday, so I'm gonna I'm gonna toddle down. I think if I've got nothing happening, mm-hmm. you can report and, uh, back to us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. In- interesting. I... 
I think you're right. I think there's going to be big changes in January. I think you're probably going to see a fair few shipped out. I wouldn't be surprised if someone like Whelan does get even as good as he is. I think maybe just to free up a wage and, and give him a chance to find a club anyway. It's not the case that he's played badly. I feel like he's one that might just move on just to give him a chance to you know get his career going again. Yeah. He's probably not going to get too much game time the rest of the season. But yeah, some of the others, I think especially in attack, I think Butterworth's been a huge disappointment for me. Just, like I said, I don't know what kind of Ooh, I, I just, uh, I, I posted actually on the Buzzy's back forum today. Mm. There seems to be a misconception that Butterworth has very little uh, football. But 21-22 season, he spent the second half on loan at Fleetwood in League mm. One, played a dozen games. And uh, last season, he made 31 appearances for Port yeah. Vale in League One. So he's got 43 games, probably 50-plus with Cups for League One teams in the last yeah. two years. I just don't know, you know what... So I, cause he, he's a, I he's think a, his problem is he doesn't know his position. 100%, yeah. He's a half-decent dribbler. He's got an OK long shot in him, but he hasn't really got the strength... I, I actually think he would possibly play where Gibson plays, but A, he's got good. no chance at the moment, and B, if Gibson is injured or takes a knock or rested, Alfie McCallman probably pops in there. Yeah, or Charters when he's fit. You know, Charters he, even, yeah, yeah. Yeah it, just, it just, yeah, it just feels a bit... Bit of a letdown at the moment, really, isn't it? And I think, as I say as well, Edmonton's been a real letdown for me this season. I'm really disappointed how... He's he's adapted really to League One. I thought he'd do better, but just not seeing it at the moment. It just just hasn't happened, and you know I, I hope it does still because yeah. I think there's a player in there. I think I hope. But how long how long do you give it? You know, it could be one of those where we get a couple of injuries in the forward line. Edmondson comes, in. comes on, scores a goal, and it kickstarts yeah. him. But he needs a goal. He know. really does need a goal. Oh, yeah, soon. yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. Especially because I think did, did we both predict him to be top scorer this season? If I remember rightly, probably yeah. <laughs> we probably yeah. We're not particularly good at that one. Um, right, uh, let's get to match predictions then, Dan. Um, good week for both of us in terms of the predictions, especially for you. Well, it, it, it was for me, and then I remember someone went, "Oh, I think I'll take that score as well." I did, yes. Yeah, I'm doing that again this week. You never know. Um, yeah, so we you both won. went for three one. Uh, I decided to go for different scores because I didn't think I could go for the same as you, which was a stupid mistake because you went for Gibson. Um, and I was thinking of Gibson and Lavelle. <laughs> but you, Gibson, Lavelle, and who else did you go for? Was it Edmondson, I think? Remember I rightly? remember, no. Oh, maybe I think I went for Edmondson, actually. But yeah, so you got four points. I got three, which means we're now both tied on eight points each. Mike went for a 2-2 draw and he's still stuck on no points. <laughs> Terrific start from him. What are you going to go yeah. for, Don? Uh, I'm going to go for another three-one win, I think, and I'm going to go for Maguire. Mm-hmm. I've got to say Gibson again, given the form he's in. Maguire Gibson. I'm going to go for the Lavelle header from the corner again. <laughs> it's going to come in soon, isn't it? I'm. You know what? I'm going to go three-one again as well. I was. I've been thinking all along, thinking, oh, do I go three-nil or not? I don't know. If we get, I don't think. Can we keep a clean sheet? I'm not convinced. Yeah, 3-1. I am going to put Gibson in again because he's on a roll and I think he, I think he's going to be a contender for player of the month in, in League 2 if he keeps it up. Uh, it's League 1, sorry. It's relegated, is there? Uh, so Gibson, uh, Joe Garner, and... 
who else? Um, Column Guy, why not? Column Guy over long range effort. Right, here's Mike's prediction for the game. I'm going for a 3 0 win with goals from Maguire, Gibson, and Laval. Is that exactly the same as yours? Yeah. Oh, my word. How's that? Well, there's not much variety there this week, so we're probably all scoring points or all not scoring points. I think the way it's yeah, going, but there yeah. you go. Right, X Files time, Dan. A uh, little bit to cover this week. Yeah, let me just get my list open. Uh, goals. Uh, Jenny Yates scored again for Swansea in their 3 1 mm. win at Plymouth. A good win for them. Yeah. Uh, James Tavernier scored two for Rangers in a 3 0 win at St. Midden. Not very popular then, uh, though, off- is he? No, he's, he's sort of him and Connor Goldson are getting a lot of flack at the moment. Mm. Uh, Jack Marriott, who you mentioned earlier, scored yep. for Fleetwood in a four-one defeat at home to Wickham. Uh, Marty Patrick scored for Sutton again. Uh, big win for them, four-nil over Walsall. Who one of the goals was scored by a Walsall player, that being Joe Riley, scoring mm-hmm. an old goal. Sutton's an interesting one because that is only their second win of the season. Yeah, the first, the first was... was against Notts County who were walking the league at the moment. And it was a 5-1 win, the first one. Yeah, well. yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, Owen Windsor scored for Chippenham Town in the 4-1 home defeat to Dartford. And Stephen Riggs scored for Workington in the 3-1 FA Trophy defeat to Hyde United. Mm. Uh, we've got a bit of others this week. Uh, the big one, obviously, was... Gannon Branthwaite signing a new long-term deal for Everton up to 2028. Lovely stuff. Uh, making sure we get the, the bigger chunk when Real Madrid signed him in the summer for 80 how million much, or whatever. Genuinely, how much do you reckon he can go for? I I think before he signed this deal, what did he have left? 18 months? Yeah. You'd done, well, you done well to get 15, wouldn't you? There was, was, ru- was rumours of Man United in January. Yeah. I would expect 20, 25 million for that. Uh, now he's on a long term. If he plays at the way he's playing, have a look. Search the, just search Branfleet after the Everton game on Twitter. And yeah. Go to latest. It's nothing but praise. I I think if he continues, you could be talking forty to sixty million. I really do. If 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 it's January, maybe but if it's the whole season, and you never know. I mean, look, I think Southgate's probably got his squad sorted for the Euros, but. If he plays well for the under twenty ones and plays well for England, yeah, probably. Yeah, so he's in the under twenty ones as well, isn't he? <laughs> yes, he's just been called up to the twenty ones again with uh, James Trafford. Good stuff. Uh, one we I think we mentioned this the other week about Tony Kane. I feel like we did, yeah, maybe yeah. briefly. He's uh, he's he had a health scare while playing for Donalda in Northern Ireland, mm. and he's basically retired for. Yeah, obviously, best wishes to yeah, Tony on that because he, he's a very good, like loyal servant to Norman Irish football. I mean, you look at it, he's, he's yeah, four yeah. or five hundred games over there. I think really, really yeah. impressive. Uh, management news: mm. Adam Murray has been sacked as manager of AFC Fylde. His caretaker <laughs> replacement, Chris Beach. Chris Beach. Yeah, That's I like... think it will only be caretaker. Do you think? Because he's, he's landed, yeah, he's landed a good role there as a director of football or something. Mm, maybe. There's a suggestion yeah. that, that Lummy was saying on the uh, Carl Social, which I'll talk about in a minute, he was saying how that 
he thought all along that he was going to get stab him in the back, basically. So he yeah. warned, he warned Muzzer about it. But there you go. And one, one announced uh, just prior to uh, recording, actually. All mm. uh, the Athletic have got rid of their manager, and Paul Murray is taking training, possibly even their next game. Quite popular there, isn't he, Murray? Like like he was with us in Hartlepool. He, every club he goes to, he seems to be a fairly popular player, doesn't he? So, yeah, he'd, he'd probably do fairly well there. And that's it, isn't it, then, Dan? I think it's all wrapped up. Yeah. It's a long episode again, but hey, it's all, all, all good, all good fun. Um, Got to um give a shout-out uh, to London Branch again for their sponsorship this season. Thank you very much. And shout-out, actually, as well. Um, I've been on the last two episodes of the BBC Radio Cumbria's new BBC Sound Show for Carl United, uh, the Carlisle Social. You're going to go on one episode at some point, aren't you? I think, Dan, they've asked you yeah, to. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I've done it over the line a couple of times. You're going to go into the studio and do it, I think. And uh, yeah, it's 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 basically the replacement for Out of the Blue, isn't it? I think it's just Carlisle Focus. It's yeah. uh, Paul Newton, Chris Lumsden and James Phillips. Yeah, they do, and, they do a guest. separate Carlisle and Banner one now. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, well worth a listen. Go and find it on the BBC uh, Cumbria Sport Twitter feed or on the uh, BBC Sounds app. Li- sorry, very, very late. X yeah. Blues update. Go on. Trafford and Bradford are both starting for England under 21, so we'll report on that next week. Indeed, yeah, hopefully, some good news there from them. So, uh, what we got coming up next week, uh, we've got the later Orange uh, review and the Portsmouth preview. That's it's a big game as well, isn't it? You can't forget yeah. that we've got them coming over the hill. Um, and we're also we're going to start looking at doing some uh, little bite sized episodes, aren't we? Thing where we do little featurey things. So, we want ideas from yeah. you of topics you want us to talk about. They're going to be like 20-minute long episodes just to fill a bit of time in during the week for you guys. Um, any topic you think might be quite interesting, like maybe you want us to talk about our favourite Carl United free-kick takers. Maybe you want to talk us to talk about our favourite Carl United mustachioed players. Got a few we could name for that, isn't there? I think Mally Poskett and Dave Curry. Exactly, but, but who wins out of the two? Then that's the question. I know which one you'd pick. I know which one I'd pick, but we'll have to wait and see. Um, but yeah, they'll be coming fairly soon. We're going to try and fit a bit of time in and days when we're not recording these and uh, do that. So uh, there you go. Dan, thanks for joining me. No bother. Thanks everyone for listening and up the blues. Up the blues.